When you think of a mariachi singer, who comes to mind? A man, most likely, wearing a gorgeous embroidered suit known as a traje de charro. A huge sombrero, of course, probably a mustache, and a voice. A deep, rich baritone, loud, proud, Mexican, singing rancheras, the songs of the country life. You're probably thinking of the king of Mexican music, Vicente Fernandez, and you're probably thinking of this song titled El Rey, The King. His nicknames, El Hijo del Pueblo, the people's son, El Idolo de Mexico, Mexico's idol, or just plain Chente, one of the greatest singers that ever came from Mexico. And I'm speaking in the past tense because Fernandez died earlier this week on December 12th. He left us to play with the great mariachi in the sky. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Thursday, December 16th, 2021. Today, our episode is all things Chente. Millions of his fans in the U.S., Mexico, and beyond are mourning a man who was their soundtrack of love and sadness and resistance for over half a century. Our guests will be colleagues of mine at the LA Times. All of us grew up with Chente in our lives. So we're going to tell you why he mattered, why you should check him out, and why his rural style of voice and music and persona was so influential for our parents' generation, our generation, and beyond. Vicente Fernandez was born in 1940 in Huentitan, Jalisco. His debut album was released in 1966 at a time when Mexico was looking for a new icon after its most famous ranchera singer, Javier Solis, suddenly passed away. Fernandez took the torch from Javier and never looked back. Dozens of albums, over 30 films, sold out arenas from Madison Square Garden to Southern California to South America and beyond. Take Frank Sinatra, add Elvis, and a dash of Kenny Rogers, and nope, you're not even close to figuring out how huge Chente was to his fans or what he meant to Mexicans here and in the motherland. Now's the time to introduce our panel for today. LA Times video journalist Steve Saldivar, deputy sports editor Ileana Limon Romero, and culture reporter Daniel Hernandez. Everyone, welcome to The Times. Hey, Gustavo. Hello, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Let's start with you, Ileana. Where were you when you heard Chente passed away? So not to be an advertisement for the Los Angeles Times, but I got an alert from the Los Angeles Times that it had happened. I was <laughs> uh, at home uh, just doing some work around the house and got the alert. I called my mom. She had not heard yet. What about you, Steve? I woke up in bed and do what I usually do is I reach for the phone and open up Twitter. So, of course, uh, Twitter told me that Vicente Fernandez had died and I called my mom. And of course, she already knew. It's interesting how all of us immediately call our parents. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, same. I was just scrolling through my phone, having a normal Sunday morning. And immediately I turned on the radio, just finding a place to listen to some of his songs. And then I spent the rest of the day pretty much streaming all of his albums at home. Yeah, I called my dad too. And he was sad, of course. And it was actually my sisters who texted me like at 6 a.m. in the morning that Chenta's family had announced on Instagram that he had passed away at age 81. And even though Chenta's family didn't share a cause of death. None of us were surprised. We all knew it was coming because Chente had a history of health problems. He had survived cancer and then in August had a really bad fall in his rancho in Jalisco from which he never recovered. But even though we knew Chente was in his last days, when it finally happened, man, we Mexicans still felt it hard. 
Daniel, the last time we saw this collective outpouring of grief for a Mexican music legend was when Juan Gabriel unexpectedly died in 2016, another titan of Mexican music. He wrote songs that Chente covered, and his death hit the hearts of his fans like me and you. But I think Chente's death marks the end of an era in many ways for Mexicans. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there is this moment sort of like a fifth of the way through of the 21st century that we're losing these iconic figures from the 20th century. And a lot of that is um, translated and transmuted north of the border. And I mean, whenever you hear it, even if you are a completely deculturated Mexican-American, even if maybe you don't even have a full complete handle on Spanish, you can connect with the emotion. And with that kind of guttural, in the pit, in the core sensation, there's so many epic little nuances in the way that he sings and he delivers, but he's like connecting you straight to the ground there, to the earth in Jalisco, to the land of tequila, the land of mariachi, the tapatio kind of Western Mexico, greater sensation of what it means to be from the rancho and what it means to have maybe lost those physical direct lines uh, to that land, especially if you live in a family with mixed immigration status and so on, but you can hear it. It's Pavlovian, I would say, like you hear a note, you hear a string, a horn, and you're taken back and you get all this emotion. And and Steve, you went down to Chente Star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and we're talking to fans there. What, what did they tell you? I mean, I went to uh, find a growing crowd in mourning. They honored him by leaving flowers, lit candles, and at least one bottle of alcohol with Para el Rey written on it. Others were like elbowing their way through the tight crowd for selfies. One man brought like a box of Modelo beer. People toasted the singer, tapping their beer bottles before singing the next Chente classic. And I think they were looking for a community. I mean, that's what they told me. I spoke with Alejandro Gonzalez, who works as a Vicente Fernandez impersonator for 20 years. He said, you've cried with his music. You've danced with his music. You've fallen in love with his music. And now he leaves the music for generations to come. If you want to track immigration in the United States and our population migration, you just look at his concert tours and look at all the different places he went. And he did not just stay on the border. He did not just stay in California. He was everywhere. He went all over the country and it just sort of showed that he was there for people on both sides. And I think that was unique. He went there. He celebrated in that way. This is someone who was macho and so well-respected in Mexico, but then also acknowledged, embraced his American resident audience. Why do you think that music connected? Because if you think ranchera music, it's, you know, a rough equivalent. It's country music, music from the rural lands. And up here in the United States, it just resonated, even though not all Mexicanos, and especially if you're second or third generation Mexican-American Chicanos, you have no literal connections back home. So what was it about that music that just hit so many people? I think, yeah, I mean, your Sunday afternoon at your abuelita or abuelito's house or your parents or while you're making tamales, it makes me think of all the moments where you just sometimes feel like you need to check in with your Mexicanness and check in with who you are and how the world 
sees you, especially in a multi-ethnic and kind of multinational context that we have here in the United States. To me, he really does transcend that identity. He both embodies that identity and I think he also transcends it. I remember just being an absolute shock when I was uh, on a reporting assignment in Colombia and on these little kind of backwater little bars and, and little antros and Colombians are like super into Vicente Fernandez. I bet they're also mourning him right now as well. And I've been in social settings here in Southern California around Guatemalan Americans, Salvadoran Americans. And when Vicente Fernandez comes on, they also know the lyrics. And so I think that that speaks to kind of the power of this culture and this kind of ranchero culture and how it really draws people in from different walks of life and from different cultures entirely. And I think that he really embodies that kind of openness of Mexican culture, while also the specificity of what it is that, that he was doing with his music. Liana, I think anyone who grew up with Chente's music is feeling all these emotions, the sadness, but also the happiness. What are you hearing from your family and friends out in El Paso? And what are you feeling? You know, I talked to my mom. I called her right away when I heard, and she was heartbroken, even though she knew this was coming. She and my dad first attended a concert of his at Memorial Gym. It's a very small gym at the University of Texas at El Paso. So, you know, for Chente, this was his working his way up. Uh, it was around 1970, and then as time passed, he had sold out concerts at the Don Haskins Center, which is the biggest arena in El Paso. And he played there consistently. She recalled like this spectacular voice, once singing with Alejandro Fernandez, his son, and he lowered his microphone to his waist and you could hear him singing just perfectly clearly. It didn't matter where the microphone was. It was just such a spectacular voice that cut through. Absolutely incredible. We'll have more after this break. All Mexican artists since at least the 1930s have known to tour in the United States because of the huge diaspora here. But Vicente Fernandez hit at that perfect time. He got all the Mexican immigrants who came in after the American immigration laws loosened in the 1960s. That's our parents' generation. And then he got us. We were the first generation of Mexican-Americans who truly fell at ease in English and Spanish. So Chente was like, well, not Morrissey anymore, but someone integral to our idea, our sense of Mexicanidad. I keep saying online that the closest an American artist can come to matching Chente's legacy, I mentioned him earlier, Frank Sinatra, the swagger, the decades-long career, Sinatra and Chente personified their respective cultures. But, you know, I admit it, it's foolish to do these cross-cultural comparisons. So how do Mexicans explain what Vicente Fernandez meant to non-Mexicans, or at least those not familiar with him? It's so tricky to make an apples-to-apples comparison, Gustavo. And like you kind of said, it is kind of foolish. So I'll say this. At his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, people would erupt in chants of Que Viva Chente, but almost immediately they would switch to Que Viva Mexico. And so I kind of came to a realization there that like, he's what our immigrant parents brought with them. When they left their country to come to the U.S., they brought his songs. So it's not a coincidence that like nearly half of all his album sales were here in the U.S. So then his songs are like a cultural treasure that future generations kind of inherit. But of course, like you don't appreciate that, right? And you can't when you're a kid. So it's only when you understand what your parents understood that those songs start to connect with you. It's it's like an inheritance. Yeah, it's a, like an inside-outside approach because, yeah, look at him. Puro Mexicano, El Charro de Mexico and all that. But then the themes of the songs, they're, they're universal. Heartache, loneliness, 
swagger, braggadocio, and that's a perfect segue to get into some of our favorite songs. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start. My favorite one is Los Mandados, translates as the errands. And it's the story of an undocumented immigrant who comes into the U.S. about 300 times and then gets beat up by the Border Patrol and then wins a lawsuit against them. And you hear it in the music and lyrics. Chente is like roaring. We need those anthems and immigrants need those anthems. And the big boogeyman and a lot of, you know, prominent layer of Mexican popular culture is the border and Isla Migra. And this is a classic example of how we, as Mexicanos, as Mexican immigrants or children of immigrants, kind of overcome those challenges and overcome the bad guys, so to speak. Anyone who assumes that, like, all Mexicanos are, you know, in support of those who are held back at the border, those who have been turned away hundreds of times or who have struggled in this way to establish themselves in a new country. That's just not the case. So it just really showed um, a care and a compassion and a kindness and a focus on something that's not always embraced. There's definitely a rift. So to have someone of that platform to belt out in that way and anthem and to, to just produce it into something that has like great musicality, something that you can listen to, something that you can sing along to is amazing. Yeah, everyone has a favorite Vicente Fernandez song because Chente hit so many universal themes that everyone can relate to, but yet they're also so specific to the Mexican experience. So, Daniel, what's your favorite rola? <laughs> I think I just have to go with uh, Por Tu Maldito Amor for your damn love. Yeah. I was trying to draw back and remember when I first heard this song. I must have been like 10 or 11 years old, and it was just playing on the Ranchera radio station in San Diego, Tijuana, and my mom played it, and I just... Remember, it was that kind of point in my childhood, really, in my adolescence, in which I was kind of understanding the first rules of having a crush or feeling attraction for someone. And it just digs right into your heart. I mean, for your damn love, like, por tu maldito amor, me quiero reventar hasta las venas. It's like, I just, I would love my veins to burst, I think is how you would say that. And that's really shook me as an adolescent thinking, wow, like that's, love, that's belonging, that is really delivering your heart um, to someone. And I just think it's just a lovely, lovely expression of, you know, the painful kind of dagger-like qualities sometimes that, that occur in love. There's a moan to his voice. There's like a... <laughs> he is super, like bragging loud but then he lowers it to like almost a whisper ah. and I thought it was really interesting re-listening to this song like on loop I noted at the very end he says por tu bendito amor he sort of like ends it on this note because really if the man is as kind of sentimental as as his music tells us he is he doesn't want to damn this love you know, 20 times like he does through this song, he ends it with, for your blessed love. And so we have sort of like an exit there to think about basically that love is a positive emotion and that it is ultimately a very blessed emotion to be able to carry. Por tu bendito amor. Okay, Liana, you're next. Okay, so... I will get teased probably a little for this because it's so obvious, but we cannot leave it out. Volved, volved. 
I come from a family of mostly bad singers. I have to be very clear about this. Like, we're we're not great. I have one uncle who's excellent. <laughs> There's always a one uncle. And and I'm sorry to him. I'm not lumping him in. But one Theo who's, like, phenomenal. But the rest of us, not great. But it doesn't matter when the maniachi start rolling with this one because it just takes you in. It's love lost. It's an absolute anthem of just unrequited love, wishing for that love to return. It hits you from the start with an organ that sounds like a dirge, like at a funeral. And then those bright horns and this legendary chorus. I'm not going to make you sing, Ileana. I'll do it for you. Y volver, volver, vol. Daniel's going in bed. All right. If, if y'all are going to do it with me, then I'll do it. But I'm not doing it by myself. <laughs> so, okay, let's do it again. All of us three. On a one, on a two, on a three. Y volver, volver, volver. Boom. <laughs> That's how it always sounds at every party when everyone's singing it, too. <laughs> yeah, the tequila slowing and volver becomes very emotional, very hyped up. Les gusta la mala vida. Yeah. I think it's just more about life is hard sometimes. There are so many things that people have been through, so many challenges. And I think lost love and all of these emotions, that is just part of our identity and our culture. We're in touch with those emotions big time. And I think... You know, when you lose icons and legends like this, we have a mechanism to deal. We sing these songs. We grieve loud. And we grieve loud lost love and we grieve loud lost loved ones. And it's a very old school form of therapy for our people. Like that's how they process their emotions and and work through this lost love. I think it's a joint grief. And Mexicans, I think, are very, very well qualified to handle joint grief. They they collaborate and come together in this way. It's just been part of our identity for forever. You guys are all in your feelings today. Bien llorones. <laughs> Crybabies. And Steve, what's your jam of chente? I'm, you know, I'm going left field on this and saying El Tapatio. I hate songs with slow builds, generally. I just want them to get to it. And this song does that. The song is energy from start to finish. It starts with a blast of trumpets and ends with like a chente yelp. It's confident, it's an apologetic. The fast guitars kind of anchor his voice as he talks about where he's from, his upbringing. Yeah, and El Tapatio is a nickname for somebody from the city of Guadalajara, which is the capital of Jalisco, but it's also generally a nickname from people from Jalisco. It's about a place making you who you are. It's about being proud of where you come from. And I love that. You have a flute, which you really don't listen to flutes anymore in ranchera music, but it, it almost you're floating above this big state that's mythological in many ways in Mexico, the birthplace of tequila, of mariachi. And he's taking you to Los Altos de Jalisco, where mariachi and tequila comes from. He's taking you to all these cities. You almost feel like a bird flowing all around. And Chente is just wrapping around his lyrics around his homeland. We could do five hours of this, but we now have to have a break. So we'll have more after this break. Vicente Fernandez's last live show was in Mexico City in 2016 at 76. He was still amazing, but by then he was already an artifact of another Mexico. Kind of like our parents, you know, like these mythical people whose time was almost up, whether we wanted to believe it or not. And now that he's gone, we need to figure out what's next. 
So when you have a legend die like Chente, people always say there's never going to be another. So, Steve, can there ever be an icon like Vicente Fernandez again? I think so. I mean, as sad as it is to see one of the greats die, great art will always find a way and artists are resilient. So it's about the magic of, it's about finding the magic of connecting their work to an audience and giving them their flowers while they're still with us. Yeah, no, totally. Ileana, should there be an icon like Chente again? I mean, maybe we're romanticizing too much. Somebody who was an exemplar of macho culture, which we all know we grew up with it, could be hella problematic. Yeah, no, he certainly had his flaws that we didn't uh, choose to dig into quite too much. But I, yeah, I mean, I think the macho culture can be a little bit difficult. And I think there is a space for icons and they just take different form and different shape. I mean, we all live that. Our fathers and uncles, that older generation, they had an idea of what made a Mexican man and Chente embodied that for good and for bad, honor and family and tradition on one hand and sexism and homophobia on the other. And like I wrote in my own column, Chente's sins were those of our elders as well. They were imperfect. They were imperfect. And yet they inspired us with their good more than with their bad. And I think that's how we're going to ultimately remember Chente. They sort of meet you in the moment, and I think they meet people where they need them. Chente may not be the one we need right now or the next one, but I know that there is such a beautiful Mexican culture and so many artists who are very much in tap with what the people are going through and what they need. They're creating constantly on both sides of the border, and I have faith that there's just going to be so much innovation and new voices going forward that will connect, that will cut through and we'll meet people where they need it. And I don't know that exactly someone exactly like Vicente Fernandez would cut through today. I don't know that that would have the same impact. He was perfect for his time. We will celebrate him for forever. Yeah, that's a great point. We will remember him forever because his trajectory was a trajectory of our parents and... We just continue on that legacy. And so finally, Daniel, that to me is one of the most interesting things about Vicente Fernandez. Music executives, they'll tell you, his fan base was actually bigger in the United States than in Mexico. What does that say about who we are as a country here and what we're becoming? I think that that just shows you how much this diaspora has really just kind of like embedded itself into every community. The big audiences and the big money and the big kind of ticket sales are generated north of the border. And it's interesting because I feel like for Mexicans living in Mexico, I don't want to say they take for granted some of these figures and some of these artists and these sounds, but they're definitely sort of like right there, always simmering in them. But for people up here, it's so much more sort of like essential, integral to like have to go in and check in and go to that concert and kind of remind yourself who you are in this context while you're embracing all the you know positive aspects of life in the united states you're still going to seek that that valve right to like connect with your mexicanidad and um i think that just goes to show sort of like how mexico's music industry in a way is tilted all the way into deep into the united states i mean it's so into the united states that i think the most liked or retweeted tweet mourning the passage of Vicente Fernandez wasn't from the president of Mexico, wasn't from any Mexicano, but country legend George Strait. I'm going to read it really quick. Sad news today. We lost the amazing, legendary Vicente Fernandez this morning. One of my heroes. May he rest in peace and may God bless and comfort his family. Hasta la cruz, chente. Retweeted 16,000 times. So it's incredible. Like, George Strait recorded El Rey in a pretty good version of El Rey. Como se dice? Game respects game. Game. Juego respects juegos or something like that. 
Okay. <laughs> Steve Saldivar, Ileana Limon Romero, Daniel Hernandez, gracias all for uh, joining me to talk about Chente. Gracias, Gustavo. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for the time. Que viva Chente. Que viva. And Chente, que en paz descanse y arriba buen titán. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, our first annual holiday special. Come for the anecdotes, stay for me saying very nice things. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, Melissa Kaplan, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Lauren Rabb. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Eapen. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to Puchia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias y arriba mi gente por siempre.